0: Good morning, church. How are we? Good Good, good morning to those uh, of you who are watching online. Glad to, glad to have you with us as well. If you've got your Bible on you, turn with me to Acts chapter 4, and we are going to dive right in. Acts chapter 4. Eve, when you were talking about your son, saying, Mom, 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 my wife has never let out a louder amen, you know? That's, uh, that's what our home sounds like. It's like the soundtrack of our house. So, I'm uh, very, very familiar with that. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at the first 13 verses. And this is how the text reads It says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else, but there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved." Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I have one other text, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and this is what the text says. It says, but Jesus said to me, this is Paul talking, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Pray with me if you would. Father will come to you in the name of Jesus and God I ask for your anointing. Uh, I want you to take over my mouth and say what you want me to say. Uh, I want the Spirit to move in our midst. I pray for those who are here uh, that you would give them ears to hear and eyes to see. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if I had a title for today's sermon, I think I would call it Making Peace with Insecurity. Making Peace with Insecurity. The subtitle might be uh, The Things We Don't Like About Ourselves and How God Still Uses Them. Uh, It's kind of a long title, if I'm being honest. All of us have things about ourselves that we're insecure about. We all have things about ourselves that we don't like. Some of us think we're uh, too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too ugly, or too old. We don't like the way we look. We don't like the way we act. We don't like the way we talk. We, we can be uh, really petty when it comes to, uh, to thinking about ourselves. It Seems like uh, everybody else out there uh, seems smarter than us, like better looking than us, more talented than us. I think most people tend to struggle with either self-doubt or narcissism. Like they either only see their faults, or they never see their faults. But I have good news for you today, church, and here it is. In the kingdom of God, weakness is valuable. Vulnerability is valuable. Insecurity is valuable. The Bible doesn't say that the power of God is made perfect in our talents, But it says the power of God is made perfect in our weakness. It is through our insecurities that God often reveals his all sufficiency. What I'm trying to say to you, church, and Paul said it much better than I'm saying it, is that ultimately when we are weak, our God is strong. In the passage we just read from the book of Acts, and it's a a good one, Peter and John had just finished healing a guy at the temple, right outside the temple at a place known as the Beautiful Gate. There was a man who couldn't walk, they spoke to him, and he was able to walk. And at this time in history, Jesus, we're just weeks out of Jesus having been crucified and raised from the dead, and a Christian revolution was starting to uh, raise up or be raised up in Jerusalem, and it was driving the Jewish elite mad. I mean, the leaders of Judaism there in Jerusalem were shook to the point that they had Peter and John arrested. And so uh, they brought Peter and John out. They gathered like this whole big congregation. It's like, you know, whole tribunal of people that included the high priest, Caiaphas. His whole family was there. All the elders, all the Jewish leaders gathered. They walked Peter and John, out from their jail cell, and then they gave them an opportunity to share. And ultimately, they asked them what I believe to be relatively simple questions. They said, by whose name and what power are you healing people? Peter, keep in mind, just a few weeks before this, had publicly denied Jesus three times. And yet now, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he stood before the people and he boldly proclaimed, if you want to know how we're healing people, we're healing them in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He's the stone that you all rejected. He's become the cornerstone. And now salvation can be found in no other name but the name of Jesus. Now what you got to understand, church, is Peter was a country boy, okay? He had been a fisherman his entire life. He spoke with a poor man's accent. He was a member of the working class, and yet here he was preaching the gospel to Jewish royalty. He's wearing rags. They're wearing robes. And yet he preached with such conviction and such authority that all the people who were there said, these guys must have been with Jesus because there's no way that uneducated, ordinary men should be able to sound like that. There's no way that they should sound so eloquent, so brilliant. There's no way that they should carry so much power. you got to think about it. If Peter and John had been philosophers, like if that had been their jobs, nobody would have been surprised by their eloquence. If they had been politicians, no one would have been surprised with their boldness. Like if they would have been, if these two guys had been really well educated, nobody would have been surprised by their brilliance. But they weren't those things. And something about who they weren't made space for Jesus to reveal who he was. Something about their weaknesses actually shined the light on Jesus and let Jesus come in and speak his strength to those people. I really think that these were probably things that Peter was insecure about. Like, I think it's possible that Peter was insecure about his lack of education. I think it's possible that Peter was insecure about the way he talked. I think it was possible that Peter was insecure about where he came from, but God used Peter's insecurities to display his glory. And he'll do the same thing with us if we'll let him. He, used, he took Peter's weakness and he used it to display his strength. Too many people let their insecurities drive the train in their lives. Can we own up to that? I mean, how, how many of you all would honestly admit that you know about yourself? Yeah, that at some point in your life, you have missed out on a God-called opportunity because you didn't think you were prepared or ready or equipped. I want you to raise your hand. How many of you know? Been, yeah, I mean, it's, a, you're, you're, it's either, yes, that's you, or you fall on the narcissism into the spectrum. If you know what I'm saying? It's a pendulum swings back and forth. I think a lot of people allow their perceived weaknesses to disqualify them. A lot of people allow their insecurities to define them. They think, I I can't go on a mission trip. I can't be a part of uh, a ministry. I can't serve people in that way. I can't share the gospel with other people. I've never been trained. I I don't have the skills to be able to do that. But what if God wants to use your weaknesses to reveal his glory? Like, what if God isn't so much looking for your talents as much as he's looking for your obedience? What if God wants to use who you're not to reveal to the world who he is? I think it's time for some of you to make peace with your insecurities. A couple of years ago, we were in Nicaragua and we had the opportunity to uh, to go and do a worship service in a prison there. And we had a pretty big team on the trip, but only a limited, they only let a limited number of folks into the, the prison. So we took kind of a couple of girls, and it seems like we took four guys. And so the night before we went, we would identified who was going to go and be a part of this thing. And we knew that Cody was going to lead worship, um, but we were trying to figure out who was going to preach. And so I was sitting there, across the table from uh, my father-in-law uh, Jeff Taylor well, you know Jeff and uh, and I looked at him and my kids call him pop and so I said to him I said pop you got something to say and that was my way of asking him like do you have a word like are you the one that is supposed to do something I said, pop have you got something to say and he looked back at me and he goes I do And, um, in 20 years of, of knowing Jeff, I know he's here, you're out there. Uh, Jeff is one of the, he's one of the best men I've ever known. I mean, like this dude, like he's different for me in almost every way. Like I say a lot of words about Jesus and don't really live it out out there. You know, he says much less and he, and, and he walks it. I mean, anybody in here who knows that Jeff loves Jesus, we say, Amen okay so it's not it's not just me like this isn't just a family thing okay i want to be clear about that but i asked jeff i go do you you have a word and Jeff goes yeah i got a word in 20 years of knowing him i've heard him teach a hundred times great teacher never heard him preach one time so i'm thinking okay this thing's gonna be interesting next day comes we go to the prison he gets there he's got a translator he walks the halls and he preached the bars off of those jail cells i mean he preached with fire and with boldness and with authority. And I asked him later on that, like, I was afraid to get around, you know, he's like glowing like Moses. I'm afraid to get around him for a little while. But after a few hours passed, I'm like, dude, where did that come from? Like, where, where, what, what, is, what is that? Where, where? And he said, he's like, you know, like months ago, he's like, I was at home and I was studying and I was in the word and I was praying. And I felt like God gave me a word that I was supposed to deliver to these men. Now, at that point, church, he could have said no. Like, he could have said, I'm not a preacher. He, he's, he's not. He's not a, pa- he's not a pastor by, by trade. And we had, not, not, I was there, and we had two other pastors on the team with us. Any one of us could have preached a message at the prison that day, but I can tell you, none of us would have done it the way he did it. None of, none of us would have spoke with the power and authority that he spoke with. Now, the whole time that he was preaching, I just kind of stood back, and I, I was in awe. I mean, how how many of you have had one of those moments where I've I've had them numerous times in my life, and they never have anything to do with me, but have you ever had one of those moments where it's like, you knew God was letting you be a part of something special? Anybody ever had a moment like that? Like, I was like, I haven't done anything to deserve to be here. Like, I didn't get a ticket or anything, but I'm going to sit here and watch it. Like, I'm going to enjoy it. That's what I was doing. And the whole time he's talking, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, "This, this guy is an electrician. That's his by trade. He graduated from Fulton High School. (laughs) Go Falcons. (laughs) He speaks, other than me, he may speak with the most country accent of anybody I've ever known. He never went to college or to seminary. And the whole time, I'm just sitting there looking at him and I'm thinking, this guy has clearly been with Jesus because there is no other way that an uneducated, ordinary man would be able to sound like he sounds and be able to say the things that he was saying. Listen to me church. When the spirit gets on you your accent doesn't matter. Your weaknesses, they don't matter. Where you came from, the things that you don't think you can do those things that don't matter. When the spirit's on you the only thing that matters is Jesus. And I would argue that, that like Peter, there was something about Jeff's lack of training that actually made his message more powerful. His, his, his lack of education, his lack of seminary that let all the guys in that just, like oh, this is coming from a different place. This is coming from a holy place. Only Jesus can make an electrician and a fisherman sound like that. You understand what I'm saying? Only Jesus can do that. And it's not just uh, Peter and John and Jeff. I mean, if I'm honest with you, I think y'all probably know this about me. M- my whole ministry has been built on this premise that God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Like Everything I do, if, if I didn't believe that to be true, there's no way that I would be doing what I do for a living. Uh, Ten years ago, when my family was preparing to make the move here to, uh, to come and, and pastor. We took a weekend away, and we went to Myrtle Beach, and we just I remember just really intentionally wanting to use that time to reflect upon what we were about to leave behind and to pray about what um, was ahead. And I had this moleskin journal with me that I took with me to the beach, and I was just writing some thoughts in it while I would get up, drink coffee, and write in, write in at night and stuff like that. And I found it this week. It was, on the, it was on the bookshelf of my office. And I want to share with you um, one of the entries that, that I wrote while I was there. This is what it said. I said, uh, at the beach, it's the calm before the storm. Next weekend, I'll preach my last sermon at Riley's Creek. The weekend after that, we're having a going-away party. And the weekend after that's Easter, and we move. I'm scared. Uh, I'm emotionally challenged excited about the opportunity at Whitestone, but sad about leaving friends and people we love here. I am afraid that I won't be able to fulfill my duties at Whitestone, that I won't be good enough, that I won't know how to lead. The possibilities are endless. Things could go great or they could be awful. I'm praying for the Lord's grace and that God would give us a successful ministry there and he can define success however he wishes. And then at the bottom of that page, I wrote these words. It's a quote. I I couldn't find who to attribute it to, but this, this is what I wrote. It says, There's no need to panic. The one who called you to where you are now will supply you with all you need to do what he's commanded you to do there. Church, I don't walk in my strengths because I don't have very many. I walk in the Spirit. I don't preach because I I think that I'm gifted or eloquent. I just try to say what the Spirit tells me to say. I didn't become a pastor because I have these great pastoral skills and attributes and it just made sense. No, I became a a pastor because I received a pastor's call. For me, it's always been about obedience over giftedness, about Jesus over my talents, about trying to be a person who's willing to put my weaknesses and vulnerabilities and insecurities on the table so that God's power can be made perfect in my weakness. We have to stop allowing our insecurities to define us. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have to stop allowing our weaknesses to disqualify us. Everyone who has ever accomplished anything good in the kingdom of God was just as afraid as you are and just as insecure as you are and had the same doubts that you do. I think we have to put to rest this idea of like the hero Christian. You know that there are people out there and they're making these decisions and they're taking these steps that we have no business taking. No, when Peter stood up and he preached with that boldness, he was afraid. And when Jeff preached in the jail cell, he was afraid. And when I moved my family here to Pastor's place, I was afraid, but we didn't allow that fear to stop us from being obedient. Because the evidence of grace on our lives is that in our weakness, our God is made strong. Like that's something that makes us different than the world. Like the world out there is like, Hide your insecurities. Hide your weakness. Only display your talents. Only tell people the things that you're good at. That's not how it is in the kingdom. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we put our weaknesses out there, and in our weaknesses, His power is made sufficient. Like Paul, as believers, I think we need to be the kind of people who are just constantly saying, hey, these are things that I struggle with. These are areas that are weak. we boast all the more gladly in our weaknesses so like Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, so that the power of God may come to rest on us. In the Old Testament, book of Exodus, you know, God, y'all know the story. God called Moses to go to Egypt and to, uh, to free the Israelites from Egyptian captivity. Like even if you don't read the Bible, most of you saw Prince of Egypt. I know how it goes. Okay? And so you know, Moses goes and he has the encounter with the uh, the Pharaoh and there are plagues and then the the sea parts. Like this is a story that you're familiar with. Part of it you may not know though is that Moses really felt ill equipped to lead. Okay? Like a lot of the old Testament. a lot of people think Moses wrote several books in the old testament, but when God first called Moses, he didn't think it was supposed to be him. I want you to, to see this exchange between God and Moses. Exodus chapter four, Verses 10 through 12. Here I think we learn uh, of Moses' insecurity. Exodus chapter 4, 10 through 12, and this is what it says. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. A lot of people think that Moses might have stuttered. You know, he may have a stutter. Or that he had some kind of uh, speech impediment. And, and you all know that a lot of folks who, who deal with those kind of things, who deal with speech impediments and stuff like that, like if they're nervous or they're trying to speak in front of a crowd, it just makes it worse, like it magnifies it. And so when God says, hey, you're going to go and you're going to be the voice of this whole movement, Moses is like, it's not me. Like you, you've made a bad decision. I don't know if you remember God, but I don't talk very well. Like my speeches, like that you got to pick somebody else. And God essentially looks at him, church, and listen to what God says. He says to him, Moses, who made your mouth? Who made all the mouths? What are you insecure about? I formed you in the womb. And don't you know that if I called you, I'm going to equip you. And if I tell you to go, I'm going to go with you. He goes as far as saying the text, he goes, I'll be your mouth. I'll tell you what to say. All you got to do is say what I tell you to say. Didn't matter that Moses stuttered. Didn't matter if he had a speech man. I actually think God might have chosen him because he had those issues. And it just made it that much cooler when he stood before Pharaoh and stuttered saying, Let my people go, and he let them go. People go, this guy's the leader of the movement. This guy can't even talk. Let people know who was in charge. They let people know that it was God who deserved the glory and not Moses. It was God who deserved the glory, not Peter. It was God who deserved the glory, not me. God who deserved the glory and not Jeff. Church, I want to ask you, you, I want you to think for a moment, if when I'm done talking and the band comes back up here and leads us in worship, if you felt a stirring in your spirit and God was calling you to do something and you heard it clearly, like God was calling you to take some bold step for him, what would be the first excuse you use not to do it? I'm just trying to get you to think about your insecurities like I don't know what your insecurities are I know what mine are but if God called you to do something bold like what would be the first thing you'd write on the line and go God I can't do that because of this what would you say y'all got something I mean I'm the only insecure person in the room I got the only one who struggles with this like what would God say hey this is what I want you to do you go God I can't do that Uh, I'm not smart enough God I, I can't do that I haven't been a Christian long enough God, I can't do that. I don't know the Bible well enough. God, you know I can't do that. I get nervous in front of people. I get nervous in front of a crowd. God, I can't do that. I'm too old. God, I can't do that. I'm too young. God, I can't do that. I've made too many mistakes. You know my past. God, I can't do that. I don't have the right skill set. Nobody's trained me to be able to do it. Church, whatever you'd put on that line, I want you to hear God say to you, specifically and exactly what he said to Moses, who made your mouth? I, I know you. I formed you in the womb. I know every strength you have and every weakness. I know every mistake that you've ever made and every time you've heeded my voice and every time you've denied my voice. I know, there's, I, I know, every, I know you better than you know you. And if I've called you to do something, don't you think I'm going to equip you to do it? And if I've asked you to go, all you really need to know, I'm going to go with you. I'll be beside you. Church, it's time to make peace with your insecurities. Stop, stop letting your weaknesses drive the train in your life. Because in the kingdom of God, our weaknesses are, are valuable. Vulnerability is valuable. Our insecurities are valuable. The Bible doesn't say that the power of God is made perfect in our talents. It says the power of God is made perfect in what? Our weakness. It's made perfect in our weakness. It's through our insecurities God often reveals his sufficiency. Pray with me. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for... Your word and the way that you still move. I thank you for the two guys that stood up here and their baptisms and, and the life changes that corresponds with that. It's crazy to think that every time somebody gets into those waters and it represents your salvation and movement in their life, that you could be talking about shifting a whole generation of folks. So, uh, you, you could be talking about a turn for a whole, a whole family. And um, it's so much bigger than I think we realize. And I'm just grateful that you're still working and that you're still speaking and that you're still, that you're still moving. God, I know that there are people in this place today that need to make peace with their insecurities because they've let their weaknesses drive the train far too long. Let them lay them before you. Whether they come to the altar and lay them down or whether they do it from their seats, I pray that they would just just put their weaknesses in your hands and God, that you would take them and let your power be made perfect in those places. Let them know that a lot of the things that in the past they thought maybe disqualified them are actually the things that you're most excited about using. Move. Speak.